Well, let me encourage you to open up your copy of God's Word to Proverbs chapter 13. And um, after you find Proverbs 13, if you'll just leave your finger there and turn over to Proverbs 18. Proverbs 13 and Proverbs 18. Those are going to be the two verses where we jump into the book of Proverbs this morning. Ever since God created man, we've been talking. And it didn't take long for our words to get us in trouble. In the second recorded conversation in the Bible, we discover that Adam blamed Eve. Eve made excuses. And we've been getting in trouble with our words ever since then. We love to talk. And we love to talk about everything. Each week, TV, the the radio is filled with talk shows. We have Fox and Friends. We have Morning Joe. We have the Today Show, the Good Morning America Show, Dr. Oz, Dr. Phil. We have Ellen, The View, live with Kelly and Michael, the Jimmy Kimmel Show, the Tonight Show, the The Daily Show. And, And those are just a few of the TV shows, not to mention all the radio shows where people are talking for hours and hours and hours a day. The average American has 30 conversations per day and spends one-fifth of their lives talking. The average man speaks about 12,500 words a day. The average woman speaks 25,000 words a day. I believe that I average about 35,000 words a day, and I've been known to hit gusts of 50,000 words a day. And don't laugh because some of you talk that much as well. In one year, in one year, the average American speaks enough to fill up 66 books with words of over 800 pages a book. And the problem is, most of us don't realize the power of our words. Think about it for just a moment. Someone comes up to you and says, will you marry me? And, And that brings incredible happiness. But if the same person comes up to you and says, I want a divorce, that can be devastating. Or what about you go to the doctor and the doctor says, you're going to have a baby. That brings a time of celebration. But what about if that same doctor comes to you and says, I'm sorry, you've lost the baby. It changes everything. You see, our words will make Or break us. The success or failure of our marriage is dependent upon our words. The the advancement of our career is dependent upon our words. Virtually every area of our life is affected positively or negatively by the words we use. How many of you have ever heard of Aesop's fables? If you've heard of it, raise your hand. Aesop's fables are a collection of, of fables that are credited to Aesop. Aesop is supposedly a storyteller, a, a servant who lived in ancient Greece in the 6th century B.C. And one of the stories that, that is told about Aesop is that Aesop lived as a slave and a servant of Xanthus, the philosopher in Greece. And one day, Xanthus was going to have this incredible banquet, and so he sent Aesop to the market to collect food. He said, I want you to get the very best food you can find. I want to throw the best banquet that has ever been had with the most tasty foods that anyone has ever had. And so Aesop went to the market and he bought tongues. 
all kinds of tongues. Tongues from different animals. And he had those tongues cooked up in different sauces. And he would serve one tongue. And then he would serve another tongue. And then he would serve another tongue. And Xanthus came to him furious. And said, I ask you to go and and get the most tasty food you could find. And you brought me tongue. Why did you bring me tongue? And Aesop said, well, the tongue is the best of all foods. Because out of the tongue came civilization. Out of the tongue comes truth and reason. Out of the tongue we have praise and adoration. What better food could we have than the tongue? So Xanthus said, okay. I want you to go back to the market tomorrow and I want you to get me the worst foods. And I want you to prepare a banquet for me and I'm going to invite all my friends again. So Esau went to the market and he bought tongues. And he prepared those tongues in a variety of sauces and he cooked up those tongues and people began to eat and Xanthus came to Esau and said, I don't understand. I told you to get the worst of foods. And you served me tongue again. Yesterday, it was the best of foods. Now you're telling me it's the worst of foods. How can that be? Aesop said, well, tongues are the instrument of strife and, and tension. Tongues are the inventor of lawsuits and slander. Tongues are the origin of error and lies and all kind of strife and problem. Tongues are the worst kind of food. And it is said that it was that day that Xanthus discovered that the tongue is both the best and the worst of all the organs of the human body. Here's what I know. Our tongue and the words that we use can bring great joy to our lives and the lives of others. Or our tongue can damage our life and the life of others. A lot of people get into trouble... Because of their words. I heard about this stock boy who worked at a grocery store. And one day he was in the produce section stocking the produce. And a lady came up to him and and said, I would like to buy a half a head of lettuce. Well, this boy had never had anyone ask for a half a head of lettuce. Who buys a half a head of lettuce? And he said, I don't know if we sell lettuce in a half a head. I'm going to have to go and talk to my manager. So he began walking to the manager to find the manager. He didn't know that the lady was following right behind him. And he got to the manager and he said, you'll never believe this. This crazy, dim-witted woman came up to me and asked, could she buy a half a head of lettuce? He turned around at that time and saw that the woman was right behind him. And he said, and this dear lady wants to buy the other half. (laughs) Our tongue, our words can get us into all kinds of trouble. Or what about the man who who saw his old friend, he hadn't seen him for years, and and as they were talking, he was asking him about his wife, and and, and the friend said, well, my wife passed away, she's in heaven now. And the man said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And then he said, well, that doesn't really sound right, I'm sorry that she's in heaven. And he said, well, I'm glad. And then he said, well, that didn't sound right either. So he said, what I meant to say is I'm surprised. Our words can get us into trouble. No wonder... God put a set of teeth in front of our tongue so that we occasionally bite our tongue because our tongue gets us in so much trouble. Well, here's what Solomon said about the tongue. In Proverbs 13, verse 3, he said, He who guards his lips guards his life. But he who speaks rashly 
will come to ruin. The Living Bible says it this way. Self-control means controlling the tongue. The problem is it's extremely difficult to control the tongue, isn't it? You discover that? I, I mean, it's so hard to control what we say. And, and all too often we say things and we later regret those things that we say. Later on in chapter 18, Solomon said this in verse 21. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. Those are the two verses I want you to plaster all over Facebook, over Twitter, over Instagram this week because people need to understand the power of the tongue. What we say has the power to bring life or death. Solomon speaks about the tongue more than any other subject. Some people say that one-fourth of this book speaks to the words that we use. Now, as I've read through the book, I haven't seen a fourth. But here's what I know. You can hardly read a chapter without reading words about our words. And there are some chapters where almost the entire chapter is about the words that we say and how we say those words. When I was growing up, I heard things like this. Maybe you did too. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Did, did anybody ever say that to you? Uh, that, that nursery rhyme was written to help children who had been hurt by words. They had been taunted, they had been made fun of, and, and somebody came up with this nursery rhyme so that when they were made fun of, they wouldn't lash back, they wouldn't fight, they would recognize that the words can't hurt you. And I appreciate the heart of that nursery rhyme. The only problem is, it's not true. I mean, sticks and stones do break your balls, don't they? But to sit back and tell someone that words won't hurt you, that's a lie. We don't mean it that way. But when we say that, that's a lie. The Bible says that the tongue, our words, have the power of life and death. And so don't tell your children that words can't hurt them. The words coming from your lips, the words coming from a teacher, the words coming from a peer can destroy them. It can scar them for the rest of their lives. And that's why it's so important for us to learn not simply the power of our words, but we need to learn how to use our words in a way that is honoring to God. And so what I want us to do this morning as we look through Proverbs is, is I want you to discover, discover with me five truths that Solomon gives us about our words. Now, this isn't everything that he says about words, but I really do believe that if, if we will learn these five truths and we will apply these to our lives, man, it's a game changer. It will change everything. Now, here's truth number one. You need to think before you speak. Contemplate before you communicate. Get your mind in gear before you engage your tongue. There's an old saying, and I've given it to you before, but I think it's worth repeating. It goes like this. A wise old owl sat in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. 
Why can't we be like that wise old bird? Think before you speak. Here's what Solomon said in Proverbs 15. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. Later on in Proverbs 29, he says, There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Have you ever opened up your mouth, said something, and the moment you said it, you regretted it? Now, if you say, no, that's never happened to me, you need to really listen to the next point. Because every single one of us have opened our mouth in a moment of rage, a moment of emotion, a moment of frustration, a moment where we do not have all the information, and we said something that as soon as it came out of our mouth, we knew it wasn't the right thing to say. It gets us in trouble. I heard about this vacuum cleaner salesman who was assigned to a really backwoods area and he was going door to door trying to sell vacuum cleaners and no one was buying vacuum cleaners. No one had the money. No one had the desire to buy a vacuum cleaner. He was getting discouraged. And so he decided that before he went to this next house, he was going to give himself a pep talk and he wasn't going to leave that house without a sale. So he knocked on the door and a woman answered. She said, may I help you? And before she could say another word, he just came right in. Said, I'm here selling vacuum cleaners and you're going to want one. And she said, sir. And he said, no, you need to listen to this. And he picked up a bag out of his, his backpack and poured out a bag of dirt on the floor. And then he said, I'm telling you that if this vacuum cleaner will not get up every single speck of dirt off your floor... I will eat it. The lady said, well, I hope you have an appetite. Because we ain't got electricity. <laughs> Our words can get us into trouble. I heard about this wealthy man. He was very wealthy. He was old. He could hardly hear anymore. He could hardly hear a thing. And he went to the doctor and he found out they had this brand new hearing aid. It was expensive, but he was wealthy. And it was a hearing aid that could restore his health, his hearing perfectly. And the good news is you couldn't even see it. And so he got this hearing aid and he went back home. Three weeks later, he went back to the doctor for a checkup. And, and the doctor said, I bet your family is so excited that you've got this hearing aid and you can hear now. And he said, well, I hadn't told him. He said, I'm just sitting back listening to everything. I've changed my will three times. <laughs> Think before... You speak. Your words can get you into trouble. It can get you into trouble because you say it in the heat of the moment. It can get you in trouble because you don't know all the facts. It can get you in trouble because you're saying it from a carnal heart. Think before you speak. Here's the second thing. Always speak the truth. Now, I grew up hearing this, and I imagine you did too, this saying, honesty is always the best policy. And if I ask you to raise your hand, I think most of us would raise our hand. Maybe all of us. Some of us may say, well, I don't know about that. But the peer pressure would get to you. And I, probably everybody would raise their hand. Honesty is the best policy. But the problem is, most of us don't practice that. We tell the truth when it's convenient. We tell the truth when it's self-serving. We tell the truth when it's easy. We tell the truth when it's helpful to us, but we find ourselves bending the truth, distorting the truth, or just as bad, failing to share the truth when we have it, when it's not in our best interest. 
We say things like, well, there's really nothing wrong with a little white lie. But understand, there are no white lies, black lies, gray lies to God. They're all bad lies. Here's what it says in Proverbs 12 about lying. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Now, the Hebrew word for detest is the Hebrew word toebah, which is the word that we get our word disgusting from. In the King James, it's most often translated abomination. And so what this is saying is that lying is an abomination to God. It was a word that was used to describe the vilest of sins. And God says that lying is up there with the most disgusting, reprehensible sins there are. And some of us are sitting back saying, well, wait, hold on, time out. How can lying be as bad as, and you can just fill in your own blank. Well, the reason is because Satan is the father of lies. And when we lie, we are acting just like him. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 6, there are six things the Lord hates. No, even seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes. The second one is a lying tongue. God hates these things. They're detestable. They are an abomination to him. In Revelation, it goes even further. It's talking about who's in heaven, who's not in heaven. And I want you to listen to what it says in chapter 22. It says, Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and go through the gates into the city. That's talking about heaven. Outside are dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone, get this, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Everyone who is a liar. You see, the Bible says that God not only hates lying. God says that those are, who are in the habit of lying habitually, they are in the habit of lying. They will not enter heaven. Now let me tell you, that's a big deal. That's serious. So don't sit back in here and say it was just a little white lie because there is no such thing. Now, some of you will say, well, Rocky, sometimes the truth hurts. You say things like this, it's better to protect people from the truth. But that's just not true. I'm here to tell you, look at me. The majority of the time when we don't tell the truth, it's not to protect the person that we're speaking to. It's to protect us. It's to protect the, the fallout, the repercussions, what's going to happen because... We've come out and we've told the truth. You will never go wrong telling the truth. Now, you may need to say something like this. This hurts me. And it may hurt you. But we need to deal with it. This hurts me. It, it may hurt you. But we need to deal with it. I want you to say that with me. This hurts me. It may hurt you. But we need to deal with it. Say it. This hurts me. It may hurt you. But we need to deal with it. Solomon said it this way. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. And if you're not married, close your ears right now. You don't need to be listening to this kiss on the lips stuff.
But let me tell you, if you marry, you like that kiss on the lips. Kiss on the lips is a pretty special thing. I tell you, when my wife puts her moist, precious lips up against my lips, kind of brings a smile to my face. Puts a dance in my step. And you don't want to see that dance. But it puts it there. And the Bible says that an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. In other words, when we are honest with people, what does it do? It is building intimacy with them. When we withhold honesty, we are destroying intimacy. Understand, if I'm blowing it, if I'm going in the wrong direction, part of me may not want to hear that, but part of me does. I would hope that there are friends who love me enough, who care for me enough, who are, come to me, who are going to come to me and say, you're blowing it. What are you thinking? We need to learn the difference between telling someone you're blowing it and, and I don't love you. There's a big difference between that, we'll never grow in our relationships until we learn honesty. Now, there are many ways that we're dishonest. And we don't have time to go into all of them. Read Proverbs, and you can see a lot of them. But one of the ways that we're dishonest is flattery. Now, let me define flattery. A flatterer is someone who will pat you on the back with one hand and stab you in the back with the other. That's a flatterer. They will pat you on the back with one hand, good job, while they're stabbing you in the back with the other. Here's what Chuck Swindoll said. Flattery is an insincere compliment expressed with deceitful motives. It is excessive praise verbalized in the hopes of gaining favor in the eyes of another. Someone else said it this way. The difference between a slanderer and a flatterer is this. A slanderer is a guy who says things behind your back that he'll never say to your face. A flatterer is someone who will say things to your face, but they will never say them behind your back. That's why Solomon said, in the end, people appreciate honest criticism more than flattery. Honest criticism more than flattery. People don't need your flattery. Because most people can see right through it. They would rather have honest criticism than an insincere flattery. So tell the truth. Think before you speak. Here's the third thing. Use your words to build up. Proverbs 12 verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 25 18 says, Telling lies about others is as harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. About every week I read back through Proverbs again as I'm preparing for the next week's message. And this week as I was reading back through Proverbs, that verse, Proverbs 25, hit me between the eyes. Lying, using our words to harm, is like hitting someone with an axe. Wounding them with a sword. Shooting them with a sharp arrow. Our choice of words can, can either build up or they can tear down. We can hurt or we can heal with our words. We can be vicious and thoughtless or dis and destructive. Or we can be loving and kind and encouraging. 
Now, occasionally, we'll hear people say things like, well, I'm just being candid. I say what I feel. And may I say to you, you're not candid. Can I be candid? You're stupid. If you just say what you feel all the time, look at me. Maybe that's why your marriage is in trouble. Maybe that's why you've been married multiple times. Maybe, maybe that's why you've gone from job to job to job to job to job. Maybe that's why you're not invited to the parties. <laughs> because you're just candid. You say what's on your mind, you think what you feel. Let me tell you, if I said everything I feel, I'd probably be dead. Somebody would have shot me by now. That's not a wise thing to do. So how do we do this? How do we use our words to build up? Let, let me give you something that we need to avoid and then something we need to do. First of all, what do we need to avoid? We need to avoid gossip. Proverbs twenty six twenty says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel goes down. I read something this week that I think is worth repeating. It said, people cannot be judged by what others say about them. And that's true because, I mean, people can say things that aren't true about you. So you can't be judged by what others say about you. But you can be judged by what you say about others. Think about that. We can't be judged by what others say about us, but we can be judged by what we say about others. The Jewish Talmud put it this way. The gossipy tongue kills three people. It kills the person who was gossiped about. It kills the person who gossips. And it kills the person who listens to it. And here's the thing. We all love gossip. Don't tell me you don't. We all love it. Every single one of us. That's why Solomon said twice, twice in Proverbs, he said the exact same thing. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They are like the best tasting of all food. They go down to a man's inmost parts. I mean, we hear the gossip. It tastes good going down and it feels good in our belly. We love to hear gossip. We love to share gossip. We do. It's just who we are. And we've got to guard against gossip because it destroys I, as a pastor, I, I wish I could tell you that, man, I don't struggle with gossip. I do. And I don't gossip about you. Just to God. <laughs> but, but, you know, as a pastor, what I find myself doing is, we pastors, you know what we can do? We, we hear something that's going on in another church, another pastor. Who? what's going on? So I can pray for them. You ever been guilty of something like that? Well, tell me. Tell me what they're doing so I can pr better pray for them. Bull. Your ears just want to hear the gossip. Now, some of you may be saying, what makes something gossip? And, and I believe Rick Warren said it best here, so I just want to quote him. He said, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither part of the problem, and, and we're trying to resolve it, or they're part of the solution and we're bringing them in to resolve it, then we're probably gossiping. If we're talking to someone about a problem and they're not a part of the problem or they're not a part of the solution, we probably are gossiping. And here's the thing. All of us like gossip. 
That's why in our new member class, Running Together, one of the things that we talk about in, in building community is we talk about we cannot tolerate gossip. We can't because gossip, the Bible says, will separate the closest of friends. So just think what gossip will do to a church family as we hear something and it begins to spread like wildfire through the body. So what do you need to do if someone comes and gossips to you? Here's what you need to do. The moment they begin to speak, you need to put your hand up and go, Hold, wait, stop it. I don't need to hear this. And if you continue, then we're going to go to the person immediately. Now, may I tell you that that probably is going to eliminate 99.9% of gossip? Would you agree with that? Now, the problem is, is we have a hard time putting our hand up. Why? Because we love, our ears love to hear it. And if we know the Lord, if we've been redeemed, if we've been saved, I mean, immediately after we hear it, or if we're the one who shares it, immediately we feel remorse, we feel shame, we feel regret, but we've done it. The damage is done. So avoid gossip. Here's the second thing. We need to exercise gentleness. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15 says, Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. You see, the way we say things is as important as what we say. Have you ever seen someone who had their spirit crushed by what someone said? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I mean, all of my children are adults now and in college or out of the home. And there have been times when I've been guilty of a harsh word that crushed. Crushed. Some of you have have had your spirit crushed because someone came to you with a harsh word. That's why Solomon said in Proverbs 12, a word of encouragement does wonders. Do you agree with that? Man, I, I, could, I, I could go months on, on a sincere word of encouragement. Months. Now remember, we don't want flattery, do we? We want encouragement. This past week, I received a, a private message from someone on Facebook that, I mean, I haven't heard from, really. I haven't seen them probably in, oh, goodness gracious, at least 16 years. I was their pastor for about five or six years in, in Florida. I, I think I baptized both this woman and her husband, a couple of her kids. And um, she was sending me a message because her son Travis is is finishing up his second degree at Southwestern Seminary. He's been called into the ministry full-time, and she wanted to thank me for the impact I had on her family's life. And she said, "When she said, you probably don't know this, but when Travis was growing up and you would preach, he would say, one day I'm going to be just like Preacher Rocky. Let me tell you, that's never going to be a race for my computer. Now, some messages I delete. That was not deleted. That's one that you print off. I, I, I've got a box in my, my office, in my drawer, that's, that's just filled with letters that I've received over the years. And not letters of criticism. I throw those away. I mean, criticism is a dime a dozen. 
And I mean, I don't even try to read the anonymous criticism. So if you've been guilty of sending me a, an anonymous word of criticism, just, just know I'm not going to even waste my time reading your words if you don't have the guts to come and talk to me as a family member. And if you get criticism anonymously, you need to do the same thing. Don't even read it. You say, well, Rocky, they may say something good. If they cared about you, it wouldn't be anonymous. But those words of compliment, man, there are days that I get down, I get discouraged. Maybe y'all don't ever get this way, but there are some days that I really do pray, even so come, Lord Jesus, right now. I'm tired of life. I'm tired of trying. I'm tired of giving it my best and feeling like a failure at times. And when I feel that way, I can, I can open up that little box and I can just begin to read. And man, it, it just makes a, a difference. A word of encouragement does wonders. Use your words to build up. Here's the fourth thing. Don't brag. We don't need to spend time on this. But I want to read a verse and then tell you a story. Proverbs 27 verses 1 and 2 says this. Do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you. Not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. In other words, don't brag about yourself. If you're going to have someone brag about you, let it be someone else that, that does it. Do we have anybody here from Texas? If you're from Texas, raise your hand. Is there, okay, we got one. One, only on, two, two people from Texas. Okay, everybody else is embarrassed who's from Texas? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You know, Texans are proud. Proud of their country. Proud, of their, That's what they think. It's a country. Proud of their state. They think everything is bigger, everything's better in Texas. And I, I heard this story about this Texan who, he was just always bragging about things from Texas and how things were better in Texas, you know, bigger in Texas, um, smarter in Texas, more wealthy. Everything's better in Texas. And none of his other friends were from Texas. They finally got tired of it. One day, they just beat him up. I mean, they just put a whooping on him. Knocked him out. And they decided they were going to play a trick on him. So they took him out into the cemetery. And laid him down in the cemetery. And then they hid behind some of the gravestones because they wanted to see how he would react when he woke up in the cemetery. So we're going to get back at him. And so about 10 or 15 minutes, he woke up. He looked around and he saw that he was in the cemetery and that he was sitting there. He said, thank you, Jesus. It's resurrection day. And a Texan is the first to be resurrected. I mean, sometimes we just brag about all kinds of things. Here's the thing. Don't brag. If you want to brag, brag on Jesus. I mean, sometimes you can brag on your kids, but even that gets old at times. It really does. I mean, brag on Jesus. Jesus is worthy of our praise, so don't brag. And then finally, here's fifth point. Stay away from vulgar language. Listen to what Solomon said. Proverbs 4.24, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Proverbs 10.32, the lips of the godly speak helpful words, but the mouth of the wicked speak perverse words. That word perversity, perverse, there, there are really three words in Scripture that are used here. There's a word crooked, the word perverse, the word profane. And, and, and the Bible seems to indicate that depending on the, um, the when and, and the where, there is language that is perverse. There's language that is profane. There's language that's crude. There's language that shouldn't be used. 
And oftentimes, listen, it is the cultural context that defines whether language is profane or not. I mean, there are some words that are used in some cultures in some countries that aren't profane, but using them in our culture, they are profane. And the Bible talks about this profane, perverse speech. It speaks about it in the New Testament too. In Colossians 3, it says this, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and then listen, filthy language from your lips. Ephesians 4, or 5, verse 4. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talking, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. The Bible tells us that that language that is appropriated as cursing, cussing, bigoted, racist, racial slurs, coarse jokes, all of those things are inappropriate for a child of God. They shouldn't be used. They shouldn't come out of your mouth. I got to tell you, Our culture has changed so much over the course of my lifetime. I mean, when I was growing up and I was a kid, you didn't have any cursing on TV. And now almost any and every word is used in prime time. Kids' cartoons have have coarse jokes. I I, got to be honest with you. I wouldn't want any of our grandchildren seeing a lot of the things and hearing a lot of the words that are on TV. Stay away from perverse speech. You don't need it. You're smarter than that. You're wiser than that. But here's the problem. Here's what you need to understand. The problem is not my mouth. The problem is ultimately with my heart. You see, if I'm having a problem all the time thinking before I speak and I'm lying and I'm always harsh and I'm ridiculing and I'm tearing down and I'm bragging or I'm using profane speech, the problem isn't my mouth. The problem is my heart. Jesus said it this way. He said, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. Those are the things that make a man unclean. Later on, he said this. He said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the mouth, or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, the problem is my mouth. The problem is my heart. The reason that we can't control our tongue, the reason our tongue gets us in trouble all the time is because our heart's not right. And hear me before you misunderstand. All of us stumble in many ways. And as a child of God, I have told lies. As a child of God, I've said profane words. As a child of God, I've been harsh. As a child of God, I've spoke before I thought. I mean, as a child of God, I've bragged. And pastors, you know, do it in... in, um, We do it in spiritual terms. Well, let me tell you what God's doing in our church. (laughs) That's what we do. I'm guilty of all these things. But here's here's what I know. When your heart's been changed and 
and your mouth is speaking in a way that isn't pleasing to God, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit convicts you. And so when I withhold the truth, man, the Holy Spirit convicts me. When I, in a moment of anger, a moment of frustration, let a word out that I shouldn't say immediately, the Holy Spirit convicts me. When I say something without thinking, the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? Zip it. Because my heart has been changed. I'm not perfect, but hear me, I am being perfected. And that's who we are as Christians. We're not perfect. We're going to have times where we blow it in areas of our life, but we're being perfected. The Holy Spirit is living in us and He's changed us from the inside out. And our mouths change, our character changes, our, our habits change because we love Jesus. And if you find yourself never being able to control your words, you don't think there's anything wrong with your perverse speech, your little white lie, whatever it may be, then maybe it's a heart problem. And what you need to do is you need to humble yourself before Almighty God. Acknowledging your sin, your need for a Savior, crying out to Him for mercy, asking Him to save you. Asking Him to fill you with His Holy Spirit, which is your only hope for change. And then trust Him to guide and direct your life. If that's where you are right now, and I want to encourage you right here, right now, to just bow your head with me. I want everyone to do it. With your head bowed, with your eyes closed. If you're here and say, Rocky, and I need a new heart. I know. I mean, if I'm honest, I know I've never been given a new heart. I've never wanted one. I've never solved the need for one. I've never humbled myself before God and asked Him to give me one. But I know I need one. If that's you this morning and you're willing to say to God, I need you to give me a new heart to change me from the inside out. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, no one looking around. Would you just lift up your hand quickly for a moment, leave it raised for just a moment. Is there anyone here? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want you to put your hands down. And if you raise your hand, I want you to humbly pray this prayer to God right now. Dear God, I need you. I am a sinner. I can't live life on my own anymore. I'm tired of it. Forgive me. I, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave to defeat sin for me. Save me. Come into my life and take control. I'm yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live for you. Make me new, I pray. 